Let's start off with a prayer. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome, everyone. So, happy Dashara, first of all, to each one of you and to your families. Um, yesterday, in the uh, Vishnu Sasranama class, you know, the uh, teacher, he took a deviation from uh, Vishnu Sasranama and he started telling us about uh, uh, Dashara, the significance of Vijay Dashmi, right? And, and, uh, and of course, you know, his, uh, his uh, teaching is, uh, you know, completely Vedantic style of teaching. And so we all know that, you know, symbolism has, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, mystery behind the symbolism, what, what uh, you know, we depict in India, right? So we don't understand their multi layers. And yesterday, what he shared about the uh, uh, the Devi Mahat Mahatmyam, right? The the uh, the uh, uh, if you go to any temple, for example, you know you will see that you know each each day the Devi will be dressed up in a different ornament at different pose and all that. And there's a sequence that you will see, you know, day one, day two, day three, day ten. Right on Vijay Dashmi, it's one particular way. So there's also a book called Devi Mahatmyam, okay, which is a, which is roughly about 700 verses, and I think it's also called by some other name. I forget what it is. What is it called by another name? Um, I think it's called Chandi uh, uh, Durga Shaptashati. I think that's what it's called in South Devi Mahatmyam in North, okay. And so the 700 verses basically take you through a sequence of how you need to sing praise of that particular Devi. Okay, it starts by, uh, you know, preparing your uh, so preparation stage and then it goes through the entire thing. And then after some time, the, the, the first, few, first few is one set of uh, um, shlokas. Then there are lots of stories. Okay, so what I want to share with you is, uh, you know, what I learned yesterday, which is very relevant for, uh, for our uh, spiritual practice, right? So... So I believe it starts off with something called as uh, Chandika Stotram and then it goes into another Stotram called as Argala Stotram and then Devi Kavacha. Okay, these are the preparatory uh, shlokas. And then it talks about Devi Mahatmya. Devi Mahatmya means like, you know, the uh, praise of the God. Okay, and in the Devi Mahatmya, there are a bunch of stories. So what is Chandika Stotram shows is that it like, he says that if you read through the meaning of it, it's very similar to you know, you going into a room and closing the doors to do meditation. Okay, that's the meaning of that. And the next one is Argala Stotram. So you going into the room, okay, and you closing the door and latching it. Argala means actually latch, apparently. Okay. So then the third one is Devi Kavacha. Now Devi Kavacha means like it's a shield, okay, given to you. Now you're inside the room and the shield is given to you. Now what's the significance, right, from a, from a Vedantic point of view? He was explaining it from a Vedantic point of view. That's why I'm trying to connect it here and share it with you. So when you when you first shut the room, okay, 
you are you are telling that okay, i am going to meditate now i am going to do my dhyana and i don't want any external disturbances right but still some disturbances can come so you want to make sure that you're latching it so that there is nobody who can disturb you right now when the external disturbances are eliminated what happens to us internally is that the internal disturbances start coming in that we can all notice when we do meditation you know the internal stuff come in comes in at that point of time you you ask for a pray, you you pray to that lord to give you that kavach shield to protect you from the internal disturbance that's the devi kavacha these are all the preparatory st- stages right and then it goes on to praise okay now there are multiple stories in that praise okay i'm not going to talk about everything just talk about couple of things the first story is uh, a story about how the devi kills demons uh, called madhu and kaitapa okay that's the names of the demons so it's called madhu kaitapa samharanam so madhu and kaitapa are representation of our likes and dislikes raga and dvesha so think about it in the meditation you know you have shut out the external uh, uh, disturbances then you have sat down you have you're slowly getting over uh, the internal you know the uh, frustrations in the mind and then what happens is the deep deep rooted vasana start coming up you got to keep on killing them one at a time right so that's the significance of that right and then it goes on and uh, and then it goes on to um, um uh, mahishasura martana which is on the uh, which is on the uh, 10th day right so mahishasura martana the meaning the significance of mahishasura martana was explained so powerfully okay mahisha means a bull okay and bull means basically he says look at the analogy in, in the bull even if it is raining or if it is shining in sun a bull if it's sitting in one place it will just sit in one place just doesn't do anything okay that's the you know the lethargy that sets into a bull so the the significance of uh, uh, when we start doing meditation we get into two states and after a little bit of uh, the you know likes and dislikes are settled down and you know uh, eliminated we can get into uh, a state known as stupor okay where we think that we are, we are achieving some samadhi but it's actually a state of stupor and a laziness mental laziness you no know, you you can't you can't do anything so that stupor is like a bull okay and the bull is just doesn't get out of that particular state so you need something much more ferocious in front of it to wake it up and to kill it that's why the devi comes in uh, on top of a, a lion okay and when the lion is roaring lion is uh, able to wake this bull out and let it uh, get away so that is the significance of you know getting out of that stupor so the vijaya dashami okay that's the 10th day of uh, the vijaya dashami the the dashami means uh, vijaya is of course victory dashami means uh, 10 sense organs okay five perception sense organs and five uh, action sense organs so when we have gained mastery over the five sense organs and five action organs okay truly mastery that is called as vijaya dashami right and then it goes on now it, the the thing doesn't stop there then it goes on and uh, it goes on and tells next talks about um, uh, uh, a stuti a piece that indra does of the devi okay after he kills after she kills mahishasura and that indra praising uh, uh, my uh, devi is significance of saying that okay now i recognize that i have gained control of my 10 sense organs sense organs are basically indriyas right indriya god of indriyas is indra so indra is praising that's the next story 
and then after that it goes on and then it goes to another story where it says dhumra lochana pada dhumra means smoke lochana means i okay so basically at some stage in our spiritual journey despite the fact that we know we kind of you know understand who we are there is a little bit of haze which settles down in us okay that also has to be killed removed okay killing is equivalent to removing then the next stage goes into chanda and uh, chanda and munda vada okay and i'm not going to explain all those things and then finally there's another another thing called as rakta bija rakta bija vada and then finally it goes to a stage where you know the person may have said okay looks like i have got it okay i think i know i am brahman okay but then sometimes they get it am i really that am i not that you get that doubt without that 100% clarity saying that you are brahman okay that stage is called as shumbha nishumbha vada okay it's again a clarity and a doubt that keeps coming to us so the goddess has to again kill that too only when that when it calls when when it it's being called the only then the real uh, the brahman will start emerge that's when the narayani darshanam will happen to you so it's a it's a you know in 11 or in 700 shlokas this entire thing is signified and presented it so that people even if you don't understand what is the deeper meaning of it you just follow it and you start uh, you know uh, reaping the benefits at different levels right it was so powerful i really enjoyed it and also one one more thing you know you might you might want to go and uh, look at a picture of Ma- uh, mahishasura mardini with those 10 uh, hands right she has 10 different types of uh, equipment in her hands like you know the uh, spear trishulam and all that each one of them okay there's a sequence in which she uses them and the sequence is related to the sequence what i just now broadly explained to you okay there's a there's a real sequence in what she does and uh, that's the significance of it that was my big icebreaker today that's a very different story from what we've heard yep there are about six or seven interpretations of vijayadashami and this is one of the ones which is vedantic interpretation for relevant for this particular group fantastic all right it seems like uh, it has to be true right because you've got the 5 plus 5 and uh, and on the 10th day everything you learn to uh, take them off it sounds very uh, logical it does the converse it does only thing is the point is we i don't think we understand the deeper significance of what uh, uh, some of these mm-hmm. symbolism represent because nobody taught us and when somebody teaches us and when our mind is attuned to it you say wow this makes sense so much more sense now all right so you know like 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 every time we can start off anywhere so ajay you are fresh from latest reading looks like it of the of the last minute crash course reading so do you want to start off yeah <laughs> yeah no i i i kind of uh, i was kind of lost a little bit in the first page where he talks about i think the first uh, uh, shloka about those six different phrases and i got a sort of feeling that most of them are you know are either overlapping or i've heard before but it seems that they have a slightly nuanced uh, meaning but uh, 
so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the significance of having those different words is, you know, because uh, I'm just kind of trying to open the pages here. But the hang on, getting there because uh, you know, in my sort of mind, kshetra, prakriti are the same thing, right? And then purusha, kshetranya are the same thing. And then Gyanam seems to have a slightly nuanced meaning in the in this chapter. And I don't understand Nayam. So I'm kind of trying to just get my head around these phrases. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone? Hey, um, very interestingly, I uh, listened to... Uh, Swami Ji's lecture on, on this is it, just starting. Mm -hmm. Chapter 13-ish. Chapter 13, 12, towards the end of 12 and 13, he gives all these different traits. Um, six, six of them, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And since he mentioned it, I've been listening. Um, I mean, we put the, because of the Navratri, right? All this Lalita Sahasranamam and Vishnu Sahasranamam. Um, those names keep coming everywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is amazing. So whenever I hear it, like, okay, I know that. <laughs> this is what you are saying here. Um, but anyway, um, one question that came up for me, just like you, Ajay, is the Prakriti and Maya, right? And then... Oh. Purusha and Kshetragnya. Uh, I get Purusha and Kshetragnya because the, that is um, supposed, to be, supposed to be uh, Brahman. And mm. Prakriti, Prakriti and Maya um, is portrayed as, uh, well, Prakriti is, Prakriti is portrayed as Maya, right? Which is a manifestation. Um, and I uh, assumed that the combination of Purusha and Prakriti was actually Ishvara, with what we call Ishvara, because Maya is actually mm -hmm. just a manifestation of the of the Brahman or, or Purusha. That's my interpretation, at least. Um, would love to hear uh, your yeah, thoughts. No, no, I agree. I agree. I think that's how I understood it. Is that it is basically the consciousness on one hand and then the maya or the creation on the other side, which is kind of, you know, so these are kind of affairs, which is Prakriti and Purusha and Shetra and Shetagna. And, uh, and then in then the chapter actually talks a lot about effectively the who am I or elaborates on the who am I conversation that we've had in the past. Yeah, I was just kind of intrigued by sort of the phrases and why are multiple sort of pairs of phrases being introduced, which, which in sort of, in a slightly sort of simplified form perhaps means the same, but they might have some, some more deeper sort of nuance, which we may or may not need to know at this point. Well, uh, I, I go back to what Krishna was saying. Um, I think um, which there Krishna? is a copy paste of... Which Krishna? <laughs> <laughs> Krishna, Krishna who is smiling in front of us right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
Now he said uh, uh, Bhagwan did a copy paste from the Upanishads, hey. and and Swamiji also yes. says that in the lecture, saying uh, not in so many words, but he says that uh, he summarizes the entire uh, Vedanta right here in this in this chapter, and it's one of the tougher chapters to uh, understand because of its interpretations. Yeah. Although I have to say it was it was relatively easy reading, and even as you go forward into the Nyanam sort of section, which he equates it to values as a precursor to getting uh, knowledge uh, or or imbibing knowledge, I would reckon, and uh, and that sort of then builds on or is similar in some ways to the 10 yamas and niyamas from the Ashtanga Yoga. But there are apparently, it looks like there are about another probably 20, 22 of these, which are then elaborated in, in this. But then the last piece, which is, which is, sorry, I can't get the pronunciation right. Neyam, yeah, Neyam, Neyam, whatever, yeah. The Neyam piece, I don't understand. Yeah, what does that mean? So uh, here is how I understood this thing, right? So it again goes back to fundamentals. Okay, what is our goal? The goal is Gnayam. That's the destination. That to be known is goal. Okay. And what is Gnanam? Gnanam is the root. What is it that you need to do to go to the goal? Like, you know, I think Swami Guru Parananda tells a beautiful example. He says, if you're in Delhi and Delhi said there's a road which says, uh, which takes you to Merit. Okay. He says that it's in Delhi, it'll be called as Merit Road. Why would it have to be called as Merit Road instead of Delhi Road? Because it indicates that road indicates that it's going to Merit. Okay. Similarly, he says, Nyayam is your destination, where you want to go, which is to realize the Purusha, the Atman or the Brahman. And Nyayam is the root. Okay. Because you know, it's easy to understand in, in stepwise saying that this road takes me there. So you say this road is, therefore this road is this, Merit Road. This road, Gayam, the path of all those values that we need to cultivate is the path, the spiritual path. And that path takes you to the destination. So that's how I, I it kind of, you know, got into my mind like that. And I, I never forgot that after that. Syntax, the only error I will point out in what you said is uh, it is the Kanchipuram road going to Kanchipuram. <laughs> no, <I agree. laughs> but so but, but is, exactly, uh, that is how uh, and then I used to tell you remember it that way. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you're right. It feels like it's the destination because it says you want to know Atma, which is Nayam. So Atma is your destination or that's your ultimate reality. Yeah. Kishore, you're still on mute. We can't hear you, man. Yeah, you're not, you're not, in, you're not in mute, but you can't hear you.
So, okay, while we wait for Kishore to join in, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, so Ajay, that's the difference, what I what I understood, right, in terms of what is Nyayam and what is uh, uh, Gyanam. So, Gyanam, yeah. So, and also, I think he also uses another analogy. I think some we discussed that in the in the past also. Yeah, I think maybe Kishore Kishore talked about it. He says, you know, for example, if we want to go from uh, let's say uh, Delhi to um, California, then from our from our home to California, you know, we'll first take take the car, go to the airport, then from the airport we'll mm. right, then again take another car and then do it right. You know what? You cannot say what is important. You know, you cannot say that again. And you know, taking the airplane is the most important thing. Yeah, it's understood. But can you actually do that without taking the first step of going to the airport? Answer is no. So it's 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 like one step at a time. You need to do this to go to the next step. So as you keep progressing in your spiritual sadhana, you will go to the end goal, and that's the thing. So the other the other point of the jnanam or gayam, uh, sorry, jnanam the uh, Uh, the knowledge, the virtues that we need to cultivate. What is important is not uh, uh, is not a question. It's, it's what is important is from the person, from point of view. For me, you know, something may be important. For you, something else may be important to cultivate because our mindsets are different. Because our mindsets are totally different, we need to start looking at those things that we start to start cultivating. But the fact is. these things have been given as a list saying that these things you we must cultivate in the spiritual path so what we cultivate is up to us yeah can you hear me now like yeah. we can hear you now kishor okay sounds good it's strange that uh, you know zoom has a very you know uh, i joined using maybe one version of zoom and this is this seems to be another uh, anyway that's fine um no i w- i was saying that uh, um here the whole the whole concept is being explained from a different using different words isn't it like purusha and prakriti is being in- introduced kshetra and kshetragna is being introduced again knower and the known finally um which we are f- kind of familiar with we have spoken about it's it's not different that's one thing right the other thing uh, seems to be that um it is also an acknowledgement in some ways of purusha and prakriti comes from samkhya uh, samkhya philosophy right mm-hmm. those are the terms used in samkhya and uh, yoga uh, yoga later but samkhya was the uh, the underlying philosophy at that time um, that is kind of dualistic also in the sense there is purusha and there is prakriti right obviously in vedanta we uh, it, it um, Uh, becomes advaita later in at least in the advaita vedanta side of um, of philosophy so without going into details i it seems like an acknowledgement to me that in the gita that hey you know these things were also spoken about in other philosophies and here is another way of looking at it uh, from samkhya uh, angle right it also seems like that to me uh, from whoever has written uh, you know when it was written that uh, in a in a way it's a shout out and an acknowledgement of um of sankhya which was at that time by the way considered to be a, a very um what do you say a, a prominent philosophy and uh, which influenced a lot of thinking right i mean we ended up losing most of the material unlike on the vedanta side where it got carried on 
Sankhya Karika is probably the only one that's remaining, but most of the the rest of it was lost. But uh, it 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 is a very prominent philosophy school that um, it seems to acknowledge in this. Mm. And the only difference then, Kishore, is that in Sankhya it was Dvaita and Vedanta is yeah. I mean, we're we're we've then moved since to Advaita. That's right. Yeah, in Sankhya and in Yoga, th that is a separation of uh, Purusha and Prakriti. Right. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, you know, Kishore well said. I think the way that I understood that was you know in Sankhya philosophy, they considered. Uh, Purusha and Prakriti to be remaining, to be, you know, perennial, eternal. Right. Correct. Whereas in uh, in, uh, Veda, in uh, Advaita Vedanta, the Purusha is eternal, but the the Prakriti will is uh, dependent. Maybe beginningless, but there is an end to it. Right. Uh, yeah. They they consider two that, realities. Yeah. yeah. That's the only difference. Which, yeah. Which I don't think it it makes it makes a lot of people a lot of sense to. Uh, to understand it as saying, okay, this is the most important thing. You know, maybe that's not because what's more important is the steps that you have to take to get to that stage, right? Yeah, I, I think even in uh, um, even with Advaita Vedanta, I think you need to take this step first, right? And then move on to the uh, equality later, right? Uh, because unless you uh, see the difference between known and the knower, um, it's hard to go from there to there's only one. Um, so in any case, we have to go through this step uh, from, you know, even I think, um, yeah, so uh, that, that makes uh, that makes it anyway part of this journey. So. And yeah, I also understood it like that, that the, uh, so the first step is Gyata Gyan Ge, so it's a Triputi. Um, so in that case, uh, Gyata you know, when we are experiencing something, we usually talk about only the knowledge and the and the knower. We don't talk about the the gyata that much. Um, and then it goes to Sankhya philosophy. The only thing I wanted to add was other major differences. Uh, Sankhya considers many purush, which is why I think um, the third step is very important because they not only consider both. Purush and Prakriti to be real, uh, they also consider many Purushas, uh, which was then refuted by Advaita, where it is only one in term, if we use the terminology of Sankhya, then only one Purush, and Prakriti is the appearance of the same Purush. So, right. So that's that's a good point. You, I, yeah. So do you, do you mean, do you mean Alpana, that when you say there is only one Purush, so there are multiple prakriti. You're saying that they all have um, their individual prakriti is consciousness. One, but yeah, so that's what that's where. But it 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 gets into. I mean, you can't explain a number of things. Uh, their philosophy, Sankhya philosophy, was that you have multiple purush. Otherwise, how does one person get enlightened? Because uh, Sankhya thinks that you know if uh, if so it's one consciousness associated with each jiva and that jiva gets enlightened. So that purush is, is no more there. Whereas Advaita says, no, it is just one consciousness because how do you differentiate between one consciousness 
to the other one there's no there's no characteristic to say that yeah no got it thank you yeah i know that that's a very important one and and the other one is uh, there is no concept of um, uh, ishura or god in in sankhya right they they explicitly state that there is no need to uh, there was no need to have an additional principle for that yeah. so anyway so yeah. there are some uh, it's interesting to note these differences also actually yeah. i mean mm-hmm. the fact that there were different uh, schools of thought and how all that kind of eventually uh, coalesced around uh, a couple of them after that so just a tangential question go ahead dipi yeah just a tangential question then is it is it uh, fair to conclude that advaita has sort of uh, quote unquote won over these other philosophies of the ancient times in shastra a... you can say that oh sorry go ahead krishna oh no no, no. please please go ahead no 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 <laughs> uh, i was just saying i, I thought that was uh, shankara's main mission in life adi shankaracharya's main mission in life was to say that i think i have realized this path and this seems to say the main truth and he spent this whole life just going all around india having all these debates and then consolidating all the systems and setting up all the mats just to say that okay advaita is the the way to to self realization uh, so i think uh, just i will add that uh, uh, yes in shastras i think advaita is the one which can explain Uh, and it's it's hard no one has been able to refute that um but uh, you can get self realization through any of the paths it's not that sankhya yogis are not enlightened because after a point whether it's one purush or many purush at least one purush gets enlightened right? <laughs> uh, so, so, so is this no, is, is, no, is this an whichever temperamentally you are closer to you you take that path so is this an evolution as in like uh, you had sankhya to begin with and then you got yoga and uh, visheshika and whatever the and the others and and now sort of advaita kind of has is is the kind of the more evolved sort of thinking if you will because if you listen to uh, swami sarvapriyananda ji and some of the other advaitans they seem to suggest as krishna was saying that post the debates or you know they've all debated each other and that advaita seems to be the one which seems to be winning if you will almost but is is that how it's kind of evolved or they were they all kind of uh, were concurrent uh, yeah they they kind of exi- these philosophies have, have have existed concurrently uh from what i saw the swami chinmayananda ji's book he gives a very brief history about like the six schools and well, lot of the systems have been going on concurrently concurrently and that like at this point uh, around like that 700 to 800 common era that's when adi shankaracharya says very precisely now this is the main thing the other schools are all there but this is the final realization you have to come to uh, but both uh, swami ramanuja vishishta advaita and then swami madhva acharya who did uh, vishishta dvaita i guess both of them came uh, about 100 years after shankaracharya but they still looked at the bhagavad gita and the brahma sutra and then they got a complete uh, different interpretation that that there is vishnu and then there is everything else in two different forms uh, 
i i like swami uh, dees uh, quote he says that uh, you know like a lot of people think uh, or say that hinduism has many gods and then some other people who have like read some scriptures say hinduism has only one god but i think the very important difference the way we should say is hinduism says there is only god there is only god yeah no that's a wonderful quote from yeah. dayananda ji yeah. and also you know uh, one other thing is uh, you know maybe uh, uh, just to look at the difference between dvaita and advaita and vishishta advaita right i think the way that i have interpreted these things is you know these different philosophies have come up because there was a need for a different path for different types of people who with different mindsets so at some time or the other you know uh, a great person like you know shankara or ramanuja or madhvacharya they come into uh, come into this earth to make sure that you know that particular path is propagated you know even buddha for example there was one i think alpana mentioned it in one of our previous sessions right when they when people were doing too too many of quote unquote these spiritual uh, uh, rituals rituals you know he wanted to bring it down a little bit so he he came down in the form of buddha to take people away from that particular thing and not to say that one thing is right it's just that what is required at a particular point of time for certain set of people you know that is provided right and i, I think that's how i interpret it and ultimately you know if you say okay tell me the one that is right you ask yourself what is right for you that is right that's all and nothing yeah. else yeah. what is right for me in need to be right at all in fact even advaitins they go on to say that reality is beyond dwait and advait so it's even beyond advaita <laughs> So yeah. they themselves say that <laughs> because Advaita you say only when you are referring to it is with the duality in mind that it is Advaita. It is actually even beyond that. Uh, uh, and then uh, even Buddhist school of uh, Madhyamikas, the Shunyavadi, it is very close to Advaita. Yeah. Actually, they say that. Good, Kishore. No, no. Quick point. Uh, uh, just two points. Actually, one was that it'll be interesting to note that uh, Jainism also existed around the same time, or it was probably even earlier. And that's one. Um, again, uh, split into schools that believe in the Vedas and schools that don't. Right. So there are six schools that believe in the Vedas or have their foundational roots in the Vedas. So. Um, and buddhism is on the other side which does not believe in the vedas right so uh, it yeah so that is one point the second one was um, um oh okay you know what i forgot uh, i'll it'll come back to me <laughs> okay now i was about to say that that this chapter also reminded me of like the who am i question uh, that way of going yeah. through self realization and on on that note there was a interesting small phrase that i read that apparently swami nisargadatta maharaj he uh, says like even the upanishads vedanta is all false there is only i if you keep on going to the who the real i is that is the only way everything else is false so he is like very strong in that thing so like to add on to what alpana was saying that like even vedanta is false like it's the i that is uh, real yeah, because vedanta belongs to the transactional reality so it is actually mm. for <laughs> but it is a medium to yep. realize i think our favorite swami swami sarvapriyananda also says this thing like you know there is yeah. even in upanishad there is this conversation oh. where somebody asks 
so vedanta you are saying everything is false what about you and then the answer seems to be vedanta says yes i am also false but until you realize the whole bigger truth you have to latch on to me yeah it's very interesting because somebody goes on to say that if vedanta is false how will you how will the result be real from a false right <laughs> but then the 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 answer to that question but the ignorance is in mind which is false <laughs> so the false can cut false <laughs> only false can cut false <laughs> meaning only like only in your dream the dream water will quench the thirst it's only you know something in this transactional reality which will cut uh, which will cut the ignorance eventually interesting and just uh, you know changing uh, changing the direction of the discussion right i think one thing you would have definitely noticed when we read this chapter is that uh, krishna uh, lord krishna lord krishna clearly says that you know kshetra includes your body and mind right <laughs> and that's a significant mindset we will have to make in our own self because we always keep thinking that there is me and when we say me that includes my body and mind then the universe and then there is god the three things that we keep on triangulating okay but he's saying you know push that line away push your body and mind towards towards the universe of the you know prakriti and then you become only two that's a yep. important point we have to remember yep. that yep and sorry good i just wanted to say that uh, just to add to it uh, in the third or fourth shloka it also mentions the uh, modifications of mind which include um, raag dwesh and and all those things as well so so not just restricted to the mind and thinking that you know those thoughts are not uh, not the kshetra but they are also part of the kshetra so what i was about to say was like they have this all uh, nice stories of what the entire bhagavad gita is about so some scholars say you can explain it actually in one word if you take the first syllable of bhagavad gita from dharmakshetra kurukshetra you take dar and then the last word druva nitir matir mama that is how it ends and they take the ma so dharma so dharma is like the entire concise meaning of bhagavad gita then there is another interpretation that says if you take the first word and the last word dharma and mama says mama dharma what is my dharma that is what the entire bhagavad gita says the third explanation i have heard is you can take the first two words and explain it is dharma kshetre kurukshetre and if you rearrange the words it means kshetre kshetre dharmam kuru so no matter what the kshetras do your dharma there so i thought like here when i heard about this kshetra uh, means your body your mind your intellect or different bodies different rebirths that gave me like a whole new thing so no matter where you are do your dharma amazing that that's Lovely. amazing yeah. beautiful <laughs> beautiful yeah can you can Very you nice. can you sort of summarize that uh, summarize that krishna on the whatsapp group i just yes, yes. i will i will write this yeah. up and it was really nice yeah, yeah. thank wow. you yeah and this possible krishna please use sanskrit font when he says yes yes we will we'll do we'll do ouch <laughs> difficult for me to read sanskrit words in english <laughs> and like all the words I... we talked about don't have english word equivalents the exact equivalents to right like so Yeah. yeah, dharma is so powerful. Yeah, can you repeat that last part? The kshetra, kshetra, dharma, dharma. Can you repeat that once again? Uh, kshetra, yeah, kshetra, yeah. dharma, kuru. Uh, so for the first word, the first two words, dhritarasha says dharma kshetra, kuru kshetra, samaveta yudhsava. 
So if you just take the first two words, Dharma Kshetra and Kuru Kshetra, but you rearrange the the order of the four words, you say Dharma Kshetra, Kuru Kshetra, but you rearrange the four words, it becomes Kshetra Kshetra Dharma Kuru. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. In my mind, I was I was thinking the first two uh, of the start of the Gita and the last two at the, at the end of Gita, but looks like that was the wrong way. <laughs> oh. That's really nice. For example, you led us to take the first and last in the you know beginning of the Gita. Yep, yep. So I was mentally tuned to that. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. The first two <laughs> interpretations are like that. You take the first syllable and the last syllable, and then yeah. you take the first word and the last word, and then there is now the first two words itself makes a meaning. And then as I wrote already once, like I also found that if you take the first shloka, the exact middle shloka, the last shloka of chapter uh, nine, like Manmana Bhava Mad Bhakta. Madhyaji, Mom, Namaskuru. And you take that as the one thing that Krishna gives us, the message to us. And then the last shloka, what will happen if you follow that? That also seems to kind of, you have like all these hidden messages in the Gita that says, this is the summary very quickly if you want, but only after you understand like a lot of the other things. It's amazing. So much of codification, what they do. And, you know, yeah. and also amazing is the intelligence of the people who decode all these things. That oh, people. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like us to consume it so easily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was reading, uh, you know, the uh, original 13th chapter and a kind of brief translation. And one of the words in the original Sanskrit was, I don't remember the word, but it said Sankshipt, kind of saying, I will say it in, in brief, right? And I'm like, all of this is in brief. I mean, how can it get more brief than, than all the Sanskrit shlokas? So yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. I had a question on the 20 values that was listed and uh, Kishore had earlier pointed out that there is Swami D's book, Value of Values, uh, which I've been meaning yeah. to get to. But I was wondering about the 20 values and uh, how they map onto Yamas and Niyamas. Like, do they have like a one is to one mapping over or uh, is this like a different list? I know some of them had a mapping, but I was not sure if all of them had. I, from what I understand, pretty much all of them have some mapping. Uh, see, yamas and niyamas. It seems like, see, f for instance, if you if you take nonviolence, um, ahimsa is one of the yamas, right? Uh, which is the 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 most important one. That in turn uh, maps to anger, you know, uh, jealousy, and a couple of other things, right? So um, it seems like. All of those things, uh, for the most part, can be covered are, are pretty much the same. Maybe because they also say that by taking the vow of at least one of them, let's say Ahimsa, when you follow that, there are many other qualities that come with it. Just like I think the example used is that of noodles. I think uh, that's what Swamiji talks about saying. When you take noodles, it's not that one thing strand is going to come. It's going yeah. to come with everything, right? So when you follow one or when you... Um, yeah, uh, it's going to give you many. But it's, it, I think there are 20 that I pointed out here, isn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Actually, you know, uh, you know, we can experience that in our, in our own life, right? You know, I think a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, uh, years back, I said, you know, I'm going to make a decision now to speak only the truth, right? 
and then it became so hard initially because at that time every time you was you were slowly thinking through you know you're sending an email if you want to say no to someone right you know you might not want to say no that's a reality is it's not a no answer is no but you don't know how to write that email without uh, you know without expressing the truth it's really become it becomes really hard sometimes yeah yeah that's where uh, uh, understanding what truth is was very important right i mean in the sense we we have a certain understanding right now but then it was uh, very insightful to uh, listen to swami ji and then understand what exactly is satyam what does it mean by that and that and then he gives examples of um, a stage where even speaking the untruth is actually truth if if and only if uh, it um, the intention is to not harm somebody right so even in those circumstances um uh, ahimsa takes precedence it's at a higher level and hence by speaking untruth if ahimsa can be preserved then speaking untruth is the truth so what it boils down to to me is it removes conflicts in our mind eventually it boils down to that because now you are in a situation do i say this do i say no uh, you know do i say this uh, untruth is that going to violate some that's conflict but by knowing the foundational principles really well those conflicts go away now you're clear okay i did this i know exactly why because the intention was this right to uh, to not harm somebody so that way there is no conflict in you which leads to a much calmer mind right i i i eventually it comes down to that isn't it so all of these things uh, really come down to uh, a a few core thing, one or two core things like this i would say absolutely absolutely yeah. and and i think you know i would strongly recommend uh, all of us to read that book value of values i read guru parananda's book and that helped me significantly and if you guys you know are comfortable with the english in swami guru parananda's book then you might want to download it from uh, his website it's in english but uh, his english uh, the translation is really terrible okay in terms of you know understanding the english it's, it's really terrible you have to go through it slowly and you have to think you know in the vernacular as to what this person is saying and then you understand it um i i had a similar question like krishna so how how do these 20 qualities map to you know what we were studying in um let's say uh, you know sadhana chaturshtayam or karma yoga or bhakti yoga right or this is like a complete different set of values that are required uh, for getting just one part of it which is bhakti which is uh, gyan yoga no um from what i understand it the, these are foundational principles right so yeah so we can probably think of it as uh, let me mute uh, somebody okay yeah so these are foundational uh, principles right so um if you like emas and niyamas you can look at it as yamas primarily right and then in this case you you have 20 it's called out to a little more fine grained uh, level right emas probably are Uh, summarizing it as five, and here it, uh, it there is fifteen uh, more, right? But they they are all foundational principles. But um, they um, when when we perform karma yoga, for instance, right? You know, when you pick the right action, what do you base that right action on, right? How do you know what is right, what is not? When you say something, how do you know um, what you said is uh, is the right thing to say or not? 
right? Sometimes saying the untruth might be the right thing to say, isn't it? So how do you know that it is okay to say that, right? As an example, or when you uh, uh, do something, is that harming somebody? Can, um, can we um, relate to that as an example? Or mm-hmm. uh, there is Arjavam, another uh, quality that's mentioned, which uh, to me is very beautiful, which is what you have in mind. What is the thought? The thought, the speech, and the action are aligned, right? There is no conflict between what you're thinking and what you're doing. Now, that's an important one because that's, again, le- going to lead to a massive conflict in your mind if that is not the case, right? If in your mind you say, I don't want to go, but you say, yeah, I'll come with you. Right? It, it, it's a conflict, um, even in simple uh, uh, situations, but in a much larger situation, it's going to be completely different. Somebody, um, a soldier going to a war, let's say Iraq war, and, and the soldier does not agree with it. How does that soldier um, resolve that conflict in their mind, which is, I don't want to fight this, but my government wants me to fight this. How, how do you resolve those kind of conflicts? So it's, uh, that's where Karma Yoga provides that basic principle saying, you know, what do you need to rely on, right? So, so in many ways, these are layers that eventually lead to uh, purification of mind. And that's how I understand it. I any, you know, would love to hear other thoughts. Yeah, but I thought some of these qualities don't necessarily map to those Yamas and Niyamas, right? And that's what I was um, wondering that, you know, you're right that a lot of qualities which are mentioned in these 20s are perhaps encapsulated in one of those Yamas and Niyamas. Yet, I think there are some additional ones. Like, for example, this Janma, Mithyu, Jana, Vidhi, Vyadhi, right? That is something which we haven't really come across uh, before this chapter, for example. That is is Vairagyam in Sadhana Chatushtaya. True, yeah. right. So, 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 is it? That's exactly where I was going with it. So, that, therefore, you have to take uh, yama niyamas as well as sadhana chatushtam, and then this is essentially uh, saying the same thing in a different way. Is that the way to yes. understand? This? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. So, asakti. Asakti. Also, we we haven't come across this word, but asakti is a very important thing that we have talked about in the context of you know. Uh, Upasana yoga or bhakti yoga, I forget in what context. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And 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 this Arjavam, you know, there's an interesting thing that I I, I experienced a couple of years back. I attended one of the uh, uh, you know workshops with Swami Nityananda. Okay, the famous Nityananda, right? And uh, he, he, he went to Nityananda. He, Nityananda. Really? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have done multiple courses with him, by the way. Okay. Oh, oh so one second. Sorry. Can we can we take this tangent and? Understand, yeah. you know, is he really, is he really like, uh, you know, what we see in these videos? Um, no, not exactly like it. <laughs> not exactly like that. But his style is his his style is imit- in unimitable style. But you know, uh, that's. But he's he's uh, he has something. Okay, his path is different. So here is what I did in one of the workshops. Here is what he tells us. Right at the time, I did not understand of how he did it. So here is what he says. He says, um, each one of us have a self-image. Okay, an image of who we are. We 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 think that this is who we are. Okay, then we project a different image. All right. 
So we may be something, but we don't want to say that, right? So we project something else. But then there's a third thing. Despite how you are truly, and despite how you project, the other person perceives you in a different way. So now there are three parts: who you truly are. Okay. Second thing is how you project. Third thing is how the others perceive. Now go back to the concept of arjava. Arjava is when all these three things are aligned together. That is arjava. Okay. There's no there's no dissonance between what you say and how you project yourself to who you truly are and how the others perceive you because it's communication, right? But then if there's a dissonance between these two things, either you have to change the other person to 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 your point of view to how you truly are or understand that you may be projecting it in a wrong way and change yourself i found it very powerful at that not at that time now after i have gone through these things right at that time i said what is he saying i didn't i don't understand this right but it's it's such a powerful thing and that's what he talks go google for his thing called completion okay he talks about a technique called as completion technique right this is exactly what he says he says at any point of time you are projecting something else because you think you are not that and you are projecting it okay sometimes we project saying that you know uh, i am extremely knowledgeable about one thing but on the contrary i may be i may be dumb about it but i don't want to showcase my uh, idiocy therefore i project that i am knowledgeable so rajesh yeah Quick question: Do you have the visa for the new country? We'll take it offline. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I honestly also did not know he gave other workshops and talks. Like all, all my knowledge has been is like all this WhatsApp forwards, borderline making uh, fun of him, or sometimes he does it himself. Like I mean, he speaks in a very comical, funny way, and uh, people intersperse it with other things. hey uh, just to add to what uh, uh, guntax was saying my bandwidth is a little uh, slow so if i get cut off uh, i'll rejoin um uh, just to add to what guntax was saying i listened to some of uh, nityananda's lectures in tamil and uh, i was actually very surprised because they were they had a lot of uh, as we say here they had a lot of lesson bone on them um and he was not making any uh, you know tangential ridiculous type remarks at all it was very very interesting and that's got to be you cannot uh, you can't just say those things like he does in english and uh, and do the things that he's doing right so uh, it was uh, it was an awakening kind of thing but anyway uh, that that's just uh, we can yeah, take it you know, offline rather than uh, rather than deviate into the topic right i think yeah. the most important thing is um, you know don't look at the person look at the message what's coming across if it's valuable for us we just take it if it's not valuable for us discard it move on i think that's the key thing that we we'll, i mean sometimes people express things in different ways we don't like it because not because of what is being said you know especially parents you think about it okay we want to say the right things to our children but kids don't want to take it because the way that we say it they don't, they don't like it and that's what happens to us too you know and it's okay we just move on and we go we'll find it latched on some some at some point sometime or the other
But I must say that this is a very important uh, uh, chapter, right? In the sense that because these qualities are mentioned here, and uh, to me, this is where most of the work needs to happen, at least in at, uh, at the level where we are, right? Because this is where, um, you know, this is preparation, preparation, right? We we are all at this stage, and we 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 probably need to understand many of these things really, really well, because it's going to help us in our daily life too. Because actually, it will help in the daily life. There is no doubt in my mind. Because um, the, one way of thinking about this, and you know, there's a book called uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, uh, you may have heard of, read of, read about it. There, he talks about the fact that hey, whenever a new situation comes, you can't. In, you need some foundational principles to uh, deal with that. You can't just think on the fly. But if those principles are there, it helps you kind of uh, work with it, right? To me, it's the same thing. It's like we are facing these different situations in life. Um, can we base it on something? You know, so these are providing us uh, a whole range of things that we can base our decisions or what we say, what we do uh, on. And then even when there are thoughts that come in and we're aware of it, um, slowly we improve on that too, right? Uh, can we base it on this? Even when there, if there are, um, negative thoughts, for instance, can you immediately fall back to one of these principles and say, I don't want to, I don't want to give energy to that particular thought. And so I'm going to detach myself from the thought, let it pass. Right? So for a period of time, we develop this practice and it's going to lead eventually uh, uh, to Vairagya, right? It's, it's going to be, as an example, right? Um, in both of them, one of the, um, one of the qualities is going to be about not using too many, uh, using only what is needed, right, from nature. As a, so you can interpret that in today's uh, way as uh, whether it's uh, being minimalist or taking care of the environment and only using, consuming what is absolutely needed and not consuming more than what is needed. You know, that's an example of how we can apply that. So yeah, I, I, I keep going back to this all the time. In fact, Emma's, Nima's yeah. and, and these 20 colleagues, and there is so much to derive from this, so much. And these, these changes, Kishore, that you talk about, these are the changes that are coming intrinsically. So they will end up remaining with us for a longer period of time rather than like a right. fact. Okay, they'll not go away because it comes from an inner, inner motive yeah. to change. Change, correct. And this is how you change your um, uh, samskaras and vasanas, right? I mean, th this is the way. Um, Vairagyam is not going to come just out of the blue in some other way. It has to come from inside out. And by changing inside out, eventually you reach a stage which is called Vairagyam. That's pretty much how I see it. It's not something as a separate quality that we develop. And uh, it has to come through many of these separate, uh, you know, like qualities that uh, eventually lead to ch changing the samskaras or the inner personality, right, in one way or the other. So that way, to me, this is one of the most, if not the most important part of uh, what Gita has to offer. Uh, Swamiji says the same thing, saying that if you look at the number of verses, um, the number of verses that talk about uh, Atma or the highest level of knowledge and the number of verses talking about um, these preparatory steps in the Gita, at least, it would be this, that uh, um, uh, the, the kind of qualities, this is where most of the time is being spent. And this is, <clears throat> to me, this was very interesting because it kind of, I, and it, even the book talks about 
the fact that they've given an entirely new meaning to to gyanam which is not just the fact that who am i which is obviously important starting point but more importantly you know what are the attributes that you need to work on <clears throat> and i have to say you know reading the the gita until this far chapter 12 i've been sort of waiting hoping to hoping to kind of come to this point and you know i, I was almost kind of taking refuge from the description that you had given kishor uh, uh, on the on the ashtanga yoga but this is kind of feels like the core of it yep uh, and and i'm 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 just wondering uh, this from a group discussion point of view is there more of this or is this it and you know because i would i would imagine that there is a lot of depth in each of these 20 20 sort of attributes and i mean would love to kind of at some point talk in more detail about these and how we can invite them very good so, point i think we should spend more time what do you say rajesh uh, yeah 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 absolutely so actually you know what yeah. actually you know what you know rajesh uh, to your point you know let's step back for a second right i think we've been talking about the structure of gita for multiple in multiple times 18 chapters 666 okay the first six talks about who am i next six talks about who is ishwara the last six talks about what we need to do to you know resolve the differences between me and ishwara right so this last six chapters is quote unquote practicals for gita right now here swami ji is introducing the first step of practicals where he is saying these are the essential qualities that one need to have okay to whatever extent you know 1% to 50% or 100% that is that's a different topic that that we'll deal deal with it later but these are the essential qualities that one need to have to orient their mind to even understand and make make sense of those previous two things right that's number one the next thing he'll go into more details for example in the next chapter in 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 swami d's uh, book when we read it talks about the influence of gunas for example let me ask you this question right and when i'm going ahead to answer your question ajay but i'm just going ahead for for a second we'll pull back myself so there'll there'll be a question okay let's say that i want to i i want to donate some money to mr x or miss y okay they uh, the scriptures define okay when does it become a right donation when does it become a wrong donation okay so even if the person really needs it okay as you as you perceive it there are there are rules which says if you give it at that point of time to that person that's a wrong donation that doesn't accrue any punya to you or to that person okay so it talks about that it, it then it talks about gunas and all that and that's a really confusing topic for me but you know i'm pretty sure you know as we keep learning and learning and relearning you know things will work it out what i'm saying is you know stay with it stay with going through one chapter at a time and mulling it over it and i think by the time we finish uh, swami d's book right i think we'll have a better view of how the uh, integration happens of what we need to do okay in fact the discussion goes all the way to the 18th chapter all the way yeah. yes. to the, almost to the end of uh, gita yeah no it just felt like uh, you know reading this chapter that there was there while it was not difficult reading but it felt like that there is a lot to absorb and reflect upon also also because uh, this who am i uh, swami swami d actually introduced it in the beginning in actual gita it's introduced here um so in the second chapter it does talk about atma but you know it doesn't say that you are not the mind you are not the the kshetra is for the first time defined in this chapter but because we did it concept wise um 
and because it's actually quite important. So I like the way in which Swami D went about doing it, that he first introduced you, who am I, and then went into the details because it's easier to understand those details. Um, so that's why this chapter may have appeared as an easy read because we have mulled over yeah. this over and over and over again. <laughs> but imagine if you were doing it through Gita, this was, would have been the first time it was introduced and it will hit you. <laughs> And, and yeah. this also this also proves one important point, Ajay, uh, that you know we need a guide to take us through the whole process. Otherwise, you know, reading by ourselves, it's not going to work. Someone has to say, you know, Swami D has interpreted it, and you know, he strung the garland for us in such a beautiful way that you know we can go from start to end rather than go jump in anywhere in between. It doesn't work. No, no, you you're right. I mean, I mean, obviously, we've heard a lot of our favorite gurus, so that sort of obviously gives us a lot of context and uh, so suddenly it appears as okay i know this why why we kind of repeating it but you're right alpana that this has not really been explained in this level of detail in the actual gita until now yeah, yeah. and and one other one other thing you know when we when we read this chapter right i don't know whether it is mentioned in this book or read it uh, in swami uh, uh, Guru Parananda's lectures, okay, he says, you know, initially people might think there's a difference between the end goal and the path, okay? Like, for example, you know, there, is there a difference between ahimsa and who am I? Initially, people might think ahimsa is a quality that is required to understand who am I, right? But later on, he argues in the whole thing, says that there is no difference between ahimsa and who am I. That I is ahimsa. That I is, you know, amanitvam. Right, so he says there's no difference, but people perceive the difference because you know this is a path. The path is going to go take you to the goal. But then he says that these very qualities are the essential qualities of that nature that you are actually discovering. So he says there's no difference. So just go ahead, be be that be that be that person now. That's what he says. Yeah. Because that's the reality. There is no journey. You are that right now. The problem is, you know, we accepting that as a fact in our mind and making changes. That is the problem. think one more thing I uh, see is that like even any one of these qualities, if we really take it to the true meaning to implement is very hard. For example, the very simple thing like Ahimsa, if you always equate, equate it only to physical stuff, then we can all say, no, 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 I've never been in a physical fight in a really long time. Yeah. But Ahimsa also includes words and thoughts. thoughts. And then uh, after I saw that in the book, it hit me very hard. Now, like at least once in a while when I say something or have a thought, damn, I punched this fellow. Like, I mean, the debates are going on here in the US now. So, yeah. you know, in your mind, you're punching somebody. And uh, even that's one thing that we think we are all doing. We are all believing. We truly believe in Ahimsa. But like in our mind, it's very hard to do. Or, or in words sometimes. Actually, Swamiji, while explaining Ahimsa, he says uh, that's the toughest part, right? It, oh. uh, you know, and very, um, and it's the, the, um, being the number one Yama, says that 
in purpose they have put it as the as the hardest one to follow is the is the first one because everything else then seems to be much easier after that it's like taking on the the toughest question in a in an exam first and then everything else starts to feel like oh yeah this is so easy right so uh yeah even if we just take that one thing it it seems to be um that many other qualities come with it because you cannot be following you cannot follow ahimsa if you have anger you just think about it right um and anger comes from hatred uh and then if you follow that hatred typically happens because of uh lack of oneness as well as likes and dislikes it will come down to that it will come down to ragadvesha eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. if you if you just follow the uh, thread there yeah. um yeah so um to me these are amazing the fact that they are uh, explained whether you take emas or uh, all the 20 of them that's explained here if you take even a few of them and say that i'm going to strictly follow this as much as possible right in in fact there is a meditation by swami ji which is the, called the value meditation you can take a value one of these values and then meditate upon it what does it mean and everything i think we should look at it as at the level of thought level of speech level of action uh, because level of action is easy level of speech is tougher level of thought is the hardest right whether it's truth whether, with truth it becomes intention right um at the level of thought with ahimsa again it's am i uh, um uh, making sure that i can push push away the not push away not uh, give energy to the negative thoughts when they do come in for that to happen you need awareness to be able to you know to be aware that that thought is here in my mind and how can i um uh, you know take care of that now now that it's been expressed in my mind right so and for that you should have meditated a little bit or at least have a calm mind so that you can have this awareness how do you get the calm mind by making the right decisions and doing the right thing so it's a circle it's a cycle again whether you get in it's a question of where, when you get into this cycle which part you get into the cycle from right um it it, it keeps reinforcing itself and and to add on to what kishor you said you know this is where i think you know i, I think i may have mentioned it to one of the uh, uh, gds here or maybe in the meditation group right you know, meditation is not an isolated activity okay the 30 minutes of meditation is dependent on the 23 and a half hours that absolutely together, okay yeah. how this 23 and a half yeah. hours you know works here and this 30 minutes works on the reverse on the 23 and a half hours both ways unfortunately <laughs> people don't realize you know all these great apps that uh, that come out right right from headspace yeah. to everything they think they present to the western audience saying that meditation means you do this you get over your stress you get over your problem but that's not how what it what it is okay this they i mean there's one level of truth in it i'm not saying no it's really not what it is yeah. so people actually hesitate to take meditation as a practice because they find it really hard to change you know that's the bigger uh, unfortunate reality or they don't they're not willing to make a change exactly and that's why yamas and yamas are or or these qualities are important unless you develop some of these things the mind is not going to uh, go inward isn't it um and a little bit of inwardness is needed to be able to meditate so it, it, it all actually falls very nicely all these pieces yeah. yeah and i think that 30 minutes is a very nice test like the other 23 and offs you can always keep telling stories to keep yourself in some place and then the 30 minutes of quiet when you close your eyes 
it gives you like a very good feedback like your evaluation your exam paper is handed back to you and uh, it, i think like initially if you do not go with any of this little bit of this literature and guruji's guidance into meditation people get very uncomfortable either they yeah. want a quick 10 15 minute hit that oh now i am very calm like i have more energy or you want or they go the oh no this is very uncomfortable lot of bad things keep coming up so maybe i am not doing it right and then they immediately quit so you need like little bit of this background to know that oh you have to look at the other 23 and a half hours and then try yeah. to minimize the disturbances that happen and then eventually you will make progress yeah and unfortunately that's the bandage bandaid approach what all these apps and all are taking which which is okay because you know, maybe it may trigger some people to get onto the path but i don't think it's the right uh, thing to do it it undercuts the value of meditation in a big way in the side effect is the lack of the the reduction of stress and all that that's just a small side effect of what meditation is but it at the core it is essentially it's a big part of uh changing you from inside out and it's a big part of that i mean that's a yeah. huge goal compared to just a stress reduction on that particular day you know yeah, that's, yeah. that's nothing totally yeah I think our favorite uh, Swami Swami Sarvapriyananda ji has like about Mahesh Yogi when he introduced transcendental meditation. Uh, people in India were like a lot of the Swamis were upset and asked him. I believe like why did you do this? Why did you dilute this whole thing and gave them like this quick bandaid kind of approach? And uh, Mahesh Yogi is supposed to have said something like, "I gave them what they want, hoping that they will eventually want what I want them to really want." Sure, Rajiv. Some, Rajiv probably has something to add on that because oh. he followed it for a, quite a few years, right, Rajiv? Uh, which one? I just missed that. Which one you're talking about? TM. Mahesh Yogi's uh, TM. Yes, yes, yes. TM. Yes, <laughs> TM. You know, so Malav. I still follow that, and uh, I can only say that, you know, uh, it's like slightly different from whatever we, you know, discussed because Maharshi Ji was very clear that. meditation is neither contemplation nor concentration and uh, also i think uh, many of the techniques you know we may call them and of course i have also seen that uh, you know rajesh book brings out, brings it out quite well uh, basically many of the techniques you know tm uh, is similar to many of the techniques although it appears you know and projects itself as being very different but i think essentially it boils down to very similar thing you start with a uh, you know something to concentrate upon and then you know you go into deeper states so i followed it for many years and i still uh, you know i still think it's a good technique <laughs> you know although they couldn't sustain the organization so there was a one other thing that i wanted to but i made a note that we should talk about was an insight that i i got when i was reading this let me just uh, yeah so uh, 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 vp you talked about this right the on page 134 the last paragraph janma mrutyu jara vyadi dukkha doshanu darshanam right mm-hmm. the things and that's actually bajagovindam if you if you guys yes yeah i remember that, that's why <laughs> it caught my eye Yeah, if this is so long and complicated, remember Bajago Vindavan, you will understand this. Uh-huh. 
you know uh, yet another one um, you know in the yoga sutras it's it's often says it's often said that the first one is very important right like the first verse or in 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 different sections or chapters and so yamas uh, they said ahimsa okay they, i i can see why they're saying that to be the highest um, but on the niyamas side it's uh, it's shaucham right cleanliness i was surprised when i first uh, saw that if in if when you stack rank this <laughs> how does that become <laughs> stack rank um how does that come to the top right um and then i realized that uh, swami ji explained it so beautifully i thought i should share it in this context which is just imagine this right um anything in nature um is going to like even if you just close the house and go away for some time by default it deteriorates anything in nature deteriorates whether it's food or just uh, a, a room a closed room whatever even if you don't do anything it deteriorates isn't it so in order to keep up everything to uh, the level that is optimal you need to perform work you need to constantly perform work to get it back to the level you want it to be right whether it's our own practice or or things that are that are around us and what not now to do that that which means that you need consistent regular uh, maintenance of everything which means that we have to perform it takes you out of the tamasic state to a rajasic state first which is to be active and to perform that activity constantly so this is one level of explanation by the way there are many but um to so to do that it, uh, the whole point being to pull us out of ta- tamas into rajas first so the because unless you get to rajas you can't get to beyond that right if you are uh, so the whole point being can i pull you out of uh, first to pull ourselves out of tamas right so that's a uh, that's one interpretation of shaucham there are many more but uh, i just thought that was uh, amazing to uh, you know see it and apply it in real life yeah full disclosure some of the people some of the people here already know this uh, part of the chaturmasa group my my attempt at the last month is to improve my shaucham cleanliness aspect of you know the quality that i need to develop i don't i don't know what i'm going to discover i think i'm still living the you know 87 bits bits in lifestyle leaving the rest to my wife and everything but <laughs> i i i intend to make some changes there to figure out how how life is going to change see i think the reason is you know all the while i think that there's been a reasonable emphasis on not dos okay in terms of changing the lifestyle but the dos part the conscious uh, emphasis has not been there and uh, i do not know about uh, many people but for me the dos part seems to be uh, less emphasized okay i said okay now i'm going to make this change i'm going to move to the dos part if the if the scriptures are saying this is an essential quality that i need to develop i better try it right <laughs> so i don't know what i'm going to discover i'll update you guys you know it, it changes for instance uh, how we even do um, you know uh, if, for me for instance um, i i i broom and keep the i broom it i broom the house every day <laughs> pretty much so me it's the other way around um, and now it's become an activity which i connected to the the niyama which is well now there is a, a clear explanation for uh doing this and not having to you know even mentally at the thought level having to complain about this right um but just do it because that's essential right 
it's essential and it's doing giving me something in the as part of following that niyama so even for mundane things i think it makes it makes a lot of sense and like ahimsa i think here also shaucham includes words and your mind also absolutely. right like it extends yeah, yeah, to yeah, that okay. correct 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 eventually it is actually the other uh, meanings are about shaucham is cleanliness of the mind eventually oh i see so it says cleanliness of the surrounding environment right which is the the society you're in and stuff like that um uh, and then so, uh, and then cleanliness of the body and then cleanliness of the mind so again it's at three levels right so you want to keep your house or your surrounding areas to the your sphere of influence if you will clean and then uh, keep the body clean as well as the mind clean and all of this requires work uh, to constantly keep it uh, keep it maintained at that level which pulls us out of tamas yeah and and cleanliness of mind is explained in very you know this is how i have understood this right let's say that you see something uh, i think this this is given in one of swami's swami's lecture let's say a, a person x sees a chicken going on the road okay the moment he sees chicken if in his mind if it becomes like a, this is a this is my dinner okay that's one way of looking at it the second way of looking at it oh it's a beautiful nature's creation depending on how you look at it the clean unclean part of your mind comes in i just wanted to add one perspective uh, may i absolutely see what i felt is you know if i go to this uh, from page 132 onwards uh, you know i and it was surprisingly you know all these qualities are exactly you know you know what the doctor prescribed for you know all leadership programs executive <laughs> coaching positive thinking affirmations be a good leader and you know uh, I, sorry i got distracted because i just got a message from you know one of my friends who's an hr head in walmart and he was just talking about a book on unleashing greatness in others so i'm saying matlab mujhe ye hairani i'm just surprised that absence of pride unpretentiousness i really wish leaders were like that but anyway this is what a you know prescriptive accommodation of others which means empathetic listening straight forwardness and uh, of course serving the teacher he has stead steadfastness and of course some dispassion so what really struck me is you know that uh, equanimity uh, you know and i think that these are actually the qualities even before the pandemic i think any good leader i mean one could distinguish between uh, a good leader or a bad leader or a loved and liked leader you know or and one who is not by these qualities and it's so surprising that it's there you know in a spiritual book uh, of our ours so this is you know what i what really struck me of course uh, you know the first part uh, you know thoda sa i had little bit of oht because there were too many synonyms and you know confusion between you know kshetra yan and jya so i you know i missed it beyond a point but of course one understood you know there is an object and there is a subject and there is a process so i left it at that but that's what struck me and of course you know uh, we can keep that discussion for an another time you know in fact even in kishore's presentation is it outside in or is it inside out so for example outside in is that you use the conscious mind to program the subconscious mind 
you know which swami muktananda is also you know in some of his talks talk talks about which is positive affirmations and you know when you do chanting so that's basically using the conscious mind to go to the subconscious but we talked about tm you know for example or if you take what osho talks about and so they say that these are all theoretical constructs it's okay to be aware that you know this is how you should be but the only way to do it is when the transformation you know happens from within and the transformation happens from within you know by a process or a tool or a technique you know so i think that's we can keep at uh, some other time but these are the just uh, two points i wanted to make a that this is very clear very close to you know a leadership manual of course some of it is little bit of gyan because uh, you know i also attended one talk by author of a book called go giver and then uh, i raised a question to the author of that book that please tell me the leaders who are leading big companies how many of them are go givers versus go takers so we keep that discussion aside but i think a this is pretty similar to leadership uh, you know coaching gyan assessment whatever whatever one goes through and uh, second is the you know outside in and inside out piece maybe that we keep for some other time that's it that's what i wanted to say definitely i think we should continue this discussion you know maybe in 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 the next week i think we'll we can move forward to the next chapter but then we we should also continue you know carry forward this 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 chapter also and discuss and cover some of those things in the next uh, next session as well i think that will hey, be uh, this is the practical aspect of the entire uh, gita that you know we will have to you know, uh, it's not a theoretical reading at all it, it has to have a transformation within us hey contacts uh, i just wanted to add to uh, something that uh, you were you have told me earlier and and what rajiv just said which uh, truly resonated so last night i was watching this video my wife uh, called me and said hey uh, uh, watch this towards the end i i caught a few snippets towards the end and it was a, a speech by uh, the actor r madhavan uh, some of you might know him from various three idiots and and so on right and uh, uh, tamil actor but a uh, lot of hindi movies as well so anyway he uh, had gone through a very similar transformation and the lecture was actually on leadership and uh, what he realized several years ago was uh, his his health and mind mental makeup everything was going all over the place and it was kind of uh, divergent so uh, he was talking about his own uh, transformation so he signed up for this program in austria uh, for uh, two weeks or three weeks or something uh, where they would train him on several things several disciplines and virtues and so forth so he went there and uh, uh apparently very expensive program and if i get the link i'll, I'll pass it on the whatsapp group but net net what he said was uh, i went and signed up for the program the first day the the teacher there uh, he told me that uh, i spent a lot of money to come here to learn the same things that your land has been teaching the rest of the world uh, uh all along but uh, none of us have uh, every everybody is either refused to listen or just ignored it but thank you for spending your money to learn what you could have learned anyway 
and he, he expresses it much much more beautifully of course but uh, i just thought uh, it, it was exactly what uh, raji was talking about guys nice. all right uh, just at about 7:30 just want to make sure that you know um, people who have not uh, had a chance to speak today any questions comments feedback manu mahesh Vivek, go Mahesh. Yeah, uh, in fact, uh, see, it's, I mean, uh, the 20 qualities listed there, I've been thinking and contemplating on the subject, you know, uh, I mean, it's so easy to say, you do this, do this, do this, <laughs> but how do you imbibe inside, uh, inside one's own uh, and make it a part? This is the most, most difficult thing is what I feel so. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, it's so easy today. Don't think of ahimsa, but it naturally props up. I mean, I mean, naturally, when you see something, it naturally comes out. You know, I mean, you say, I mean, at the end of the day, we can cut down saying that it is in in my consciousness, but that doesn't help. I mean, that doesn't help. I mean, it has to. I mean, really, uh, I mean, strike it out uh, from the mind itself or the subconscious itself. So, I mean, I was just wondering whether. we should strike it out or uh, there's something called uh, subjugated i mean i mean in terms of all inclusive of it like for example i mean today we like a thing we also dislike a thing you know so when we say we are liking a particular car i mean there may be so many other cars we dislike it i mean automatically it is like today if i say krishna either it is our krishna or other krishna it is i mean it's it's a it's a, the mind <laughs> works like this key when we contemplate on a particular thing it eliminates all other thing but it is all there in the mind already we cannot say we have ignored this and we have included this alone you know so i mean uh, this is uh, my point which i was thinking you know should we include the dislikes also in our meditation or uh, to get the quality imbibed into us or just eliminate the other qualities and focus on the one which uh, we are uh, focusing upon suppose if we want to focus on ahimsa i mean i mean we cannot say we are ignoring himsa at all because that is also a part of consciousness but i mean it is not there in front of us that's all but it is back in the mind any time it may come up so this is what i was thinking with this is 20 qualities how to imbibe this in our life I mean, if some lights can be thrown or discussion can be done on this, it will be really appreciable. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, just to add to that, um, so you know, we're talking about ahimsa, and of course, today is the Shara, and you know, we're talking about Bhagavad Gita, which takes place in the context of a war as well. So, I'm thinking, okay, how does you know, are there just like we said, you know, truth is dependent upon well you're not you know there are other things you're not hurting anybody and you you know those kinds of factors also you have to take into account then about ahimsa is there something similar so that's what you know what does it really mean uh, you know there's also uh, the whole thing about good over evil kind of you know because i'm thinking it because you know today being the shara it's uh, front and center in my mind so uh, so maybe we need a little more discussion on on clarifying these concepts i yeah, agree, I agree. yeah i agree let's Let, I think a... we continue on the next week and maybe vivek what you talked about uh, sorry uh, rajiv what you talked about and uh, you know kishore 
you know your presentation in a couple of weeks back i think we should probably will have to monitor yeah, through in this context uh, later i agree i agree you know to mahesh's point i was just saying i think uh, um yeah uh, yeah so what on one side you have the what right so these are the qualities and then what mahesh was referring to is how right how do we imbibe right i think we should talk about it from both angles uh, i think we should take spend some time probably even taking some of these qualities like um if i think all of us can see uh, if there is some one of one or two qualities that kind of stood out for you himsa let's satyam. take that ahimsa himsa satyam. satyam yeah ahimsa satyam uh, definitely is uh, so that, that's why i was able uh, to me yeah, definitely top of the list yamas for instance for all the five for instance i think um, uh, it, it neatly captures the essence of the 20 i would say but yeah if there are things that we can talk about let's do that and talk about it at the level of uh, action speech and thought and then also talk about it in terms of how do we cultivate it how do we um, negate the negative uh, right pratipaksha bhavam as an example let's talk about it through uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah i think let's spend a class on that i i would yeah. say yeah so vivek comments from you well, Yeah, well, so apologies. I think I got uh, the my my clock shifted, so I joined late. Oh, um, sorry about that. Uh, no, no, no. But um, you know, this is my kind of chapter, and that has got a list that you can go by, right? I mean, so you don't have to. You can yeah, just no. just follow. I really love reading reading it because you know I didn't have a lot of questions. It's just a a checklist to to go by. But but one of the things I was thinking of is you know. some of these qualities gods that we worship when they were they were here they probably had to go through these themselves and that uh, uh, you know you have you have these legends of uh, gods cursing other people and you know like like shiva is meant to have punished brahma for having lied to him uh, there's this uh, when i when i went to tiruvannamala earlier this year they they said you know there's no there's no idol ever of brahma and that's because uh, you know shiva had given a test to vishnu and brahma and uh, brahma came back and lied that he uh, he he done the task but he hadn't uh, so so shiva got angry and cursed him that there will never be any idol not that it affected brahma in any way because people still worship him but but still the fact is that you know they weren't above these uh, these uh, deficiency and they probably had to work through it themselves so that was my sort of uh, tangential thought on the on, on on the list yeah yeah yes. absolutely i think we will talk about this i think next week mahesh your question and manu what you said we we should definitely talk about it you know i think the, it's important maybe we'll pick two 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 qualities and we'll discuss that in a little bit more in detail also so that it's easier for us to figure out you know the how part of it and also to mahesh's point okay if already the dualities exists in mind is there a way to transcend them right that's the key point what he was bringing about let's let's try to do that um 7:38 already quite quite late sorry for that um so next week shall we continue with chapter 16 and also move into chapter 17 in the book i think we should if that's my recommendation because chapter 17 will probably clarify some of the ways how we need to do this that's why i would suggest that we should do that unless you guys feel you know we need to hold on that's fine okay so we we our reading will be chapter 17 but 
please keep in mind that you know chapter 17 is not in isolation but you will we will also start be referring to chapter 16 so effectively 16 and 17 is what we will read together okay all right thank you so much and over to you alpana om purnamada purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaay purnamevavashishyate om shanti 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 hari om tat Shri Krishna Thank you very much. Happy Dasara once again, and see you guys next next weekend. Hey, bye, bye everyone. Hey, bye. bye. Thanks a lot.